Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. All right, we are in part two. Uh, We'll finish up the message tonight from last Sunday evening, How to Restore Peace. Uh, So let's do that. Let's get Genesis chapter number three. We have about four or five points we're going to make tonight and glean some insight from the Word of God. We'll get Genesis 33 and Proverbs 18. All right, Genesis uh, Genesis 33. Well, let's let's do this. Let's bow our heads and pray and get our hearts prepared, and then we will get into the message. Heavenly Father, we're thankful we can be here. Help us to glean some truth from your word tonight, especially on the topic of peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis 33, verse number 8. We'll go back here and and read. What do we have? And he said, well, let's back up. uh, Let's back up to verse number number five and lift up his eyes and he saw the women and the children and he said who are those with thee and he said the children with which god hath graciously given thy servant then the handmaidens came near they and their children and they bowed themselves we talked about that last week we made a point on that and leah also with her children came near and bowed themselves and after came joseph near and rachel and they bowed themselves And he said, What meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. But verse number 8, let's go back, read that again. And he said, What meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And the first point I want to look at um, this this evening is restoring peace, is having the desire to show kindness to whoever you may have offended. What's Jacob? Years have gone by, and now he's going and is and, and, and he's going to Esau and he's saying, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. He's trying to show kindness to his brother who he offended. And my Lord, that's like, sir, that's what we would say today. Um, a sign of respect. Now go over to Proverbs 18. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. We know from this Bible principle, Proverbs 18, verse 19, a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. That's real difficult. Somebody's offended. How are you going to win their favor back? To restore peace, it's a good idea to try to show kindness to those that you have offended. Um, this is, this is difficult to do sometimes in a, in a home setting because brothers and sisters are together all the time and 
it could be easily turned into bickering and bickering and bickering and fighting and fighting and fighting and tussling and tussling and tussling. And there has to come a point where somebody has to say, you know what? I'm going to just make it a point to show kindness. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm the offender. My Lord. <laughs> uh, just for some grace here. I'm going to be the one that says, you go ahead and play with the toy. Spouses, you, you go ahead and you go ahead and do whatever. Meaning, I'll take the blame. I've offended you. My lady, my lord, <laughs> here's, here's something sweet. That's an easy way to restore peace. But it's so easy that we miss it. We'll put our hand up and say, you know what? I'm the offender. But my desire is to try to show some kindness to you since I offended you. And sometimes we're good at admitting we're wrong, like we learned the first point last Sunday. But it has to be two parts because if the heart's desire isn't to show kindness. It just becomes a hoop to jump through or a, well, I know I'm supposed to say I'm wrong, so okay, I'm wrong. There's no heartfelt emotion attached to it. So that's the first point. Um, let's get Philippians chapter 4. The second point I want to look at tonight is how to restore peace. Be thoughtful. I know these are simple principles. And that's why it's so easy to understand, but hard to do at times. So we get Philippians chapter 4, but we want to be thoughtful. Thoughtfulness is the opposite of rudeness. It's the opposite of selfishness. Thoughtfulness, it considers other people. When we get in line, what's great, we have our, our first fellowship this morning, and we have a thoughtful group. We're thinking of others. And sometimes we're so thoughtful that nobody gets in line and gets something to eat. <laughs> no, you go. No, you go. I mean, that's a good. That's good. We're thinking of others. That's a good spirit to have. Thoughtfulness, it gives attention to the feelings of others. How do you think what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do is going to make somebody else feel? It helps us take the focus off of ourselves and then we can actually see the needs of others. But most of us are walking around without our glasses or without our contacts in and we never take the time to actually see the need that someone else has. A lot of peace can be restored if we would just stop, pause, and park and be thoughtful. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Oh, we've got to back up to verse 7 because here's our word. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, 
Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think. Let's use our thoughts and focus them on this verse. And that'll help us to be thoughtful. And it's most appreciated. Think about it in your life. It's most appreciated when it comes unexpectedly. Isn't that the truth? We don't see it coming. Thoughtfulness will not allow schedules to take priority over people. Now, I've fallen into this trap. <laughs> I have. I've fallen into this trap many a times. I've got things to do. You've got things to do, right? I've got things to do too. I've got a schedule. I want to get this done. I want to get that done. I've got... Next thing you know, my schedule is of more priority to me than the people I'm supposed to be helping. Or It's a problem. It's a problem. If we allow that, then it causes us to be unconcerned. It can cause us to be calloused. It can cause us to be short or rude with people. We fail to see people as important. But thoughtfulness, it uplifts people. Get Proverbs chapter number 4. We'll get Proverbs chapter 4, and then let's get over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Proverbs 4, and then 1 Peter chapter number 3. Last point, or last thought on thoughtfulness which will restore peace, and we'll wrap up this thought. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's a hard issue. You trace your thoughts deep enough, it's going to come back to where's your heart if your heart is right with God and if your heart is kept with all diligence thoughtfulness will come out of it but if it ain't eventually like we talked about earlier the rudeness the callousness the shortness will come out so let's keep our let's keep our hearts with all diligence out of it are the issues of life all right, so show kindness to someone that you've offended. That'll help keep peace. Um, be thoughtful. Be thoughtful to people. That'll keep and restore peace. And 1 Peter chapter 3, let's get over to that. Let's be courteous. Back in Genesis, Jacob says, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. He's being courteous. Courteous costs you nothing, but it gives you things that are priceless. That's courtesy. 1 Peter chapter 3 
And verse number 8, the Bible says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be, here it is, courteous. Well, how do I do that? Well, semicolon. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. See how courteous is linked with that semicolon into verse number 9. It's courteous. It's derived from the root word court. You have sophisticated manners when you go to court refined manners you don't say to the judge hey yeah judge hey how you doing pal <laughs> you don't you don't say that to the judge it's your honor yeah yes your honor no your honor and you don't talk out of turn <laughs> because the judge will he'll slam the guy you don't you just don't do that in a courtroom you bring your court to see your courtesy to the court that's where that word is derived from. Now, I guess you could say today, you know, the whole court system corrupt, but you know, we're not going to go down that path. But the point of courtesy is you're thinking about the context of where you're at. How do you keep peace? Be courteous. Be courteous. We want children to be able to run and laugh and have fun and have a good time. But we don't, what we don't want is uh, what some, I guess you, you, the nice way to say it is organized chaos. <laughs> we don't want kids running and having, uh, you know, someone, a, an elderly person trip and fall because they've just ran right over them. There's courtesies that are put into place. And that's a great way to keep peace. Theodore Roosevelt said, courtesy is as much a mark of a gentleman has carriage. That's not in the Bible, but that's certainly Bible truth. Christian courtesy really is goodwill toward your boss, your parents, your friends, your church family, those that are older than you are. The real mark of someone with utmost character is how they treat someone when courtesy is not required. That's really character. And that's Christian courtesy. Let's go back to Genesis chapter number 2. And I'll use one of my favorite words in the English language. We'll get onto this point. We'll go to Genesis chapter 2. And let's get Exodus chapter 20. One, two, three. So the four, what's the fourth point? We have how to keep peace. Show kindness to who you have offended. Number two, be thoughtful. Number three, be courteous. Number four, relax. Breathe. Relax. People get worked up. They get hot. They wax hot fast sometimes. You know how you can keep peace? Just relax. You know, teaching martial arts as long as I've done, the, the first thing I must I say I've said this word 
so many times that I get sick of hearing myself say it. Guys come in, they're amped up. They're fired up. They're strengthened up. They're testosterone up. They're fired, man. And I got to tell them, relax. Breathe. And I think we need to hear that as Christians as well. Sometimes we just need to relax. Is it that big of a deal to fight about that? <laughs> Everybody relax. That's a good way to keep peace. And it says in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to park here for a little bit on this thought because I think it's important. We're doing a word study. It came up in Galatians, so we're taking a side trail on Sunday evening to really understand what peace is and some ways to keep peace and restore peace. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 2, and on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had made and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. He rested. He relaxed. Exodus 20. Exodus 20, verse number 8. Look what the, uh, the fourth commandment says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within the gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The nation of Israel was given this command by God to six days labor, and then everybody just kind of sit back and relax and rest. In the Old Testament, it was a command by God. <laughs> we need to tell people to go to work nowadays. God said back in the Old Testament to the nation, He says, no, nobody work. <laughs> just relax, relax and rest. He did it. He gave it to the nation to do it. And now let's go over to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 11. That's one verse that all, all, every lost person that doesn't have a job knows. <laughs> Except they want to rest seven days. Matthew chapter 11 Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. The Bible says, this is Jesus speaking, Come unto Me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. You're laboring, you're working, you got a heavy load. He says, and I will give you rest. In the Old Testament, they found relaxation by obeying God and keeping His commands. Work six, rest, rest one. 
which kind of kills evolution if you think about it. Nobody works six million years and then rests one million years. A day, men a day, men a day, men a day. It's always been one day. The Bible's not hard to figure out. You just have to invent something to talk yourself out of the simple truth that's just right in front of your nose. <laughs> it's six days, rest one. A day didn't mean a million years back then. It meant a day. <laughs> Nobody works six million and rests one million days. Evolution is a hoax. It always has been. But they found blessings from the Lord by obeying what God gave to them. But now Jesus is saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And go over to Matthew 1, chapter, verse 12. Let's read some, pass, uh, some verses. Um, starting at verse 8, watch. He says, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accurse him? And he said to them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. How about that, fellas? <laughs> he created the Sabbath. That's Jesus Christ. He is our rest. That's Jesus Christ. We find rest in Him. And then He says, you fellas are going to tell me? I created that day. I gave the law. You're going to pull your sheep out of a pit? on the Sabbath, and you're going to tell me, this is Jesus speaking, I created that day. I got a better idea, Jesus said. I'm pulling sheep out of a ditch every day. I'm finding a lost sheep every day, and he's going to find rest in me every day. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. I will give you rest. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. We're in Christ we find rest in Him. We can all relax. We can all relax. Jesus Christ has it. Relax and breathe. People try something new, they don't breathe. You got to teach them to relax and you got to teach them to breathe. People take class for the first week and they get all out of breath. Why am I so out of breath? I must be out of shape. Well, you are out of shape, but you're just not breathing. Just, you got to relax, breathe. We should be able to do that. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Those that enter in can relax. Whew. My sins are paid for. Your sins are paid for. There's turmoil. I know. But relax and breathe. Our sins are paid for. That's a blessing. And that helps us. That helps us. 1 Peter chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 10. A couple more thoughts on this and then we will move on. 
1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7, the Bible says, casting some of your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Except it says, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. We should be able to do that. We can find rest and relaxation in the Lord of the Sabbath. And we really can. How do we relax? How can we restore peace? Just cast your care upon Him. Hebrews 10. Look what it says here. Hebrews 10, verse number 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. All of the law, all of the sacrifices, all of the feast days, all of the things the nation was called by God to keep, perfection wasn't found in that. And we're as we go through the book of Galatians, we're starting to understand, or at least review, most of us already understand these things, what the law is. And yeah, we believe in the law, but we're not saved by the law. It can't make us righteous. And then when you go to verse number 12 in Hebrews chapter 10, watch, watch, that, watch this. Uh, okay. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 10, we'll start with, By the which will we are sanctified through our good works. Nope. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down on the right hand of God. Praise his name. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. You know what he did? He made the sacrifice one time. It's not a perpetual thing every Sunday with a little cookie that a person in a Halloween costume gives you, a.k.a. Romanism. It's not one-time sacrifice, not something perpetual that has to happen on an altar every week. It was already done one time for sins forever. And then you know what it says? Sat down on the right hand of God. It's finished. We can sit down and we can relax. The sacrifice is done. Our sins are paid for. Think about that the next time we need to restore peace in a relationship. Let's just sit down and relax. Relax. Last point I would like to make tonight get Genesis chapter 33 and uh, let's see Genesis chapter 33 
And then Song of Solomon. Why would we go there? I don't know. We'll find out. Genesis 33. Last point I want to make tonight, how are you going to restore peace? Give compliments. It'll help us to do that. Here's what Jacob says to Esau in Genesis chapter number 33. In verse number 10, he says, And Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand, for therefore I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God and thou wast pleased with me. Wow, what a compliment. <laughs> that helps if you've offended somebody. They know that what you did was wrong. You now know what you did that was wrong. It's going to kind of help break the ice a bit if you just give them a compliment. This is why guys buy their wives flowers. This is why at the airports, I've been in, in and out of a lot of airports, you can buy flowers at the airports. Why? Well, because the fellow was fussing with his wife over the weekend and over the phone, and now he's finally getting back home, and he's going to try to bring her something and be complimentary to her. Complimenting people is helpful. Uh, okay, let's see where this goes. Song of Solomon, chapter number four. Song of Solomon, chapter number four, verse number one. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. Thy hair is as a flock of goats that appear from Mount Gilead. I don't know how many Christian young men have tried this one on the girl they're trying to court or their wife. Yes, thy hair is, is as a flock of goats. Verse 2, this is even better. Thy teeth are like a flock of sheep that are even shorn. Wow, what a way to compliment your lady. Which came up from the washing, whereof everyone bears and none is barren among them. Thy lips are like a thread of scarlet, and thy speech is comely. Now, here, this is it right here. Thy temples are like a piece of pomegranate within thy locks. Let me just gnaw on her temple a little bit, you know? It's just sweet and tasty like a piece of fruit. <laughs> Look, it's, it's complimentary. Fruit is sweet. Thy neck is like the Tower of David, builded for an armory, whereon there hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Wow, what a way to... This is about compliments. Compliments. Guys mess this stuff up all the time. I'm a guy, I know. <laughs> Complimenting your spouse will get you a lot farther than just shelling up or shutting down, or yelling, or fussing. Just tell her that her forehead looks like a piece of pomegranate. 
<laughs> That's right. And then when she looks at you, you just show her the Bible. She can't argue with it. That's in the Bible for a reason. I'm not saying I've got all the reasons figured out, but I, but I'm, I am saying this. This is a complementary expression of love. I don't know if she brushes her teeth or not. That's why it's like a flock of goats or, or a, a flock of sheep, rather. But you, 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 but it's better to tell her that than to say, you know, your your teeth are yellow and falling out. It's better. <laughs> All right, Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15. Watch what Jesus says to the woman of Canaan. He says, Matthew 15, verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But, his, but he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. And he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. I'd love to hear that from Jesus. <laughs> what a compliment. Great is thy faith. What we all want to hear that from our Lord? Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou will. Appreciation is always appreciated. So let's give compliments. Finally, here's the secret to winning every argument. I know this because I win every argument. You have the last word. That's the secret to winning every argument. Having the last word. Now, kids, if you don't know that, that's the secret. If you want to win the argument, you have the last word. And here's what you say. I'm sorry. I was wrong. It was my fault. That's how you win the argument, by having the last word and saying those things. And maybe your neck is like the Tower of David too, but you don't win, you lose when you don't have restoration of peace in mind. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank you for being the Prince of Peace. I hope we got a lot out of this study, Lord. I sure did. I hope your saints did as well. We ask your blessing over the application of your word this week. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.